is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode. That's right, the London is Blue podcast. Hope you're having a great start to your Monday if you're listening on Monday. And yeah, the weekend is done. Dan here, one of your hosts. Brandon still enjoying a nice weekend of fun and sun in Arizona with friends and family. And Nick, you have come back post-NFL draft. No Chelsea this weekend. So really, you enter the weekend the same way it started, in a good mood. What a relaxing weekend. Chelsea not playing these last two weekends. One, because the FA Cup. Two, because the Royal Police couldn't figure out how to have... Uh, a Chelsea match this weekend. I again, I know there are a bunch of Americans who went over uh, to London to see that match. Who got completely screwed out of tickets. It's a shambolic thing. But for the rest of us, we had a free weekend to do whatever the hell we wanted to. Uh, as Dan alluded to, uh, in, in this Dan and Nick Save the World special, uh, I went to the NFL draft uh, Thursday and Friday. It was really cool. I'm super glad the Kansas City showed out for it. I think they said it was like 300,000 people here for the weekend, um, you know, which is insane. And, yeah, it was just a very cool experience. The city was on fire, and, uh, you know, we were uh, we're doing a great job. And then, you know, did a little golf and uh, had myself a nice little weekend here, Dan. It was great. Any undrafted free agents that you have your eye on as a recommendation for Chelsea, should they make the conversion from American football to the Premier League to try to help us out? I mean, basically anybody uh, at that level uh, with uh, like a four two forty, we could we could definitely use them uh, in in uh, in the speed department. But uh, as we know, even with uh, guys like Odell Beckham Jr. who grew up playing soccer, the transition between those two sports is nigh on impossible. And so, uh, I wish everybody who got drafted and who didn't get drafted good luck this season. But, uh, but yeah, we have a, a strong academy led by Neil Bath that will help take care of uh, the up-and-coming superstars for Chelsea. That's true. And the academy season finally over. There's a wrap on it. And I'm sure Phil and Brandon will be back on the horn in the very near future to talk about how it went down for the Academy Blues this season. Uh, maybe a few more positives than it has been on the men's team. But we're going to do a little bit of a looking ahead to the week to come for Chelsea, go through a couple of the important points of note. Chelsea obviously still in the hunt for a permanent manager, have two matches coming up this week. Also, there's stuff going on with the women's team as well. So we just want to kind of walk through what are some things going on in the Chelsea sphere this week. And then we didn't finish answering all the questions we received from our episode in the later part of last week. So we want to make sure we kind of kept going through that mailbag of questions, make sure that we appreciate you, our wonderful listeners, who take time to listen and ask us questions and make sure that we provide some answers back to you. But uh, just like we do that, I want to also say some gratitudes. Uh, thank you so much for uh, helping support us on Patreon. You can uh, go there, join our Discord, wonderful, wonderful community. If you're looking for a more positive place to be than the current iteration of Twitter as uh, the lights flicker and uh, you know maybe someone patches it up with duct tape here or there. Uh, Apple Podcasts, we always appreciate wonderful reviews there. Five stars, always super appreciate. It helps people find the show. And then on Spotify, we have now surpassed the 2,000 review mark, Nicholas. We are at 4.9 yes. there. More than some established podcast media networks 
we are there, the independent, flying our flag and saying, let's go. And thank you very much. Yeah. Incredible, guys. Thank you for for all the hard work to get us up to 2000. I think Spotify only started reviews at the end of last year. And so the fact that we ramped up that quickly is fantastic. And yeah, if you go look at uh, some of the other big media networks, we are far, far ahead uh, and we have about one one millionth of their budget. So we feel very, uh, very ple- uh, blessed with that. And uh, please keep leaving us five star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Reading those makes our week. And, uh, you know, we, we do a team meeting at the end of each quarter and we, we kind of pull out the best of those uh, five star reviews. So uh, it really is helpful. Well, with that said, we're going to jump into looking at the week ahead for Chelsea. And I think, Nick, you can't get past any other topic until we talk about question number one. Will Chelsea finalize the appointment of a new permanent manager? And that permanent manager rumored to be Mauricio Pochettino in this week. And I think the two things that we would call out is there were reports this weekend that there was a presentation in L.A. to members of the ownership group. And Egbali was spotted at the Lakers game this weekend. There was a individual, uh, it's Mahatso, who asked the question of who will be the next Chelsea coach. He apparently wants Luis Enrique. Of course, that's not happening. And they then followed up asking the question, but are we getting Pochettino? Egbali with a little bit of a, uh, a, a, a wry, maybe, as he walked off uh, down the tunnel to another part of the stadium. And so feels like a lot of winks and nods. Feels like there's a lot of stuff rumbling still. People concerned by the quietness of this conversation that you know previously was a little louder maybe than where it is right now. Thoughts, feelings, opinions on is this the week where Chelsea get the deal done with Pochettino? Yeah, it is. I mean, I feel pretty confident about that. I think the... The reason why these things always seem to take longer than maybe we want them to is because Pochettino is like, he's probably looking at the current state of this and trying to figure out what the right things to ask for are when he comes in. They're probably doing final salary negotiations. He is uh, taking a pretty bold choice in negotiating his own deal. Uh, He's not using an agent, so... You know, what might have been processed in a more quick format through an agent who has all the sorts of documentation and negotiations and all that sort of stuff on lock because that is our job. Uh, Poch has decided to do this by himself um, and presumably is, is doing it on behalf of his of his backroom staff as well and helping them get their their ducks in a row. And so, yeah, look, I, I understand, you know, the anxiety around appointing him and getting off to a strong start this summer. We saw that last summer we did not get off to a strong start and it basically hamstrung us the entire way through. This team has so many fucking issues to solve. There's a ton of work to be done in the transfer market, just outgoings and all that sort of stuff. But making sure that not only that Poch feels good about where he's at, but that everyone else understands their role in making Chelsea um, back into a, a winning club with a winning mentality and players who give it all for the shirt is just going to take some time. And again, we, we've said this multiple times, Dan, take the time, find the right guy. I think they found the right guy. Now it's just 
dotting the I's, crossing the T's, and making sure that everyone's all set. Yeah, you echoed the points perfectly in that everyone has said that this is going to be a thorough conversation. It hasn't been a race. It hasn't been a coronation. It's been rounds of conversations to get to the guy or the individual that they want in the seat next season. Not necessarily to replace Frank immediately. I think the most important thing mm-hmm. is that individual starting to work with all of the technical directors, the technical director's technical director, to get the information processed and start really working through the plan for preseason and what's to come with the season ahead. There's a lot of work left to do. The second question that people have in their minds and you know, I think maybe feel a little bit better, hopefully, at the end of this weekend. The question being is, will Chelsea lock up safety and avoid the dreaded drop through the moon door down to the championship? We were helped tremendously by losses by both Southampton and Nottingham Forest. Southampton can no longer reach Chelsea's point total as of <laughs> as of this weekend. They can now get a maximum of 36 points. And then Forrest and Leeds are now uh, at a maximum of 42 points. And so uh, if you were looking for some more positive news heading out of this weekend into the start of the week, this feels like good signs, good tidings, because I think Nick, as we've talked about it, we have to face the fact that Chelsea are not competing for a Europa League spot, a European Conference League spot. It's effectively just getting done with the season and not having any more ridiculous injuries to this side. That is effectively the remainder of the goals that we have in place. Hopefully stopping Arsenal's title challenge too. Um, But, you know, that's that's a tall order. Yeah, so, I mean, if Leeds and Forest lose another game, their max would be 39 points, right? And I think the... The thing that then you look at is that they have Leeds as a minus 24 goal diff, Forrest as a minus 32 goal diff, Chelsea have a minus five goal diff. Uh, and so, yeah, so that is uh, that's pretty abysmal um, across the board. Uh, but you know, that's kind of where we are right now. So, like, then even if they do get to 39 points or whatever, which isn't likely. You know, they're not going to recover that much goal difference, uh, potentially. So unless we just get battered 8-0 against Arsenal and then everything's back on the table. But, um, yeah, I mean, I I would hope so. I mean, it will require a Chelsea team to um, go out there and perform at a requisite level for 90 minutes in any one of our upcoming games. There are only, what, five left? So... I don't know. Like, ideally, we would be able to draw against Arsenal, knock them out of the title race, and get to 40 points and basically secure safety. But the fact that we are having this conversation, it is April 30th, and you're listening to this on May 1st, and we're talking about will we avoid the dreaded drop is pretty horrific. And every single person within the club who works on the men's first team, not the women's team, not the youth teams, needs to look at themselves in the fucking mirror because it's brutal. It's been a brutal season. 
Well, the other item of note is that Leicester and Everton both play each other on Monday. So hopefully when you're listening to this episode or maybe uh, just past, so you might know the result of this this game. But they also could drop points. Uh, Everton currently in the bottom three spots as of time of recording. And so those are two other teams. Again, there, there's a, a fair number of teams of which any combination of them dropping points makes it so Chelsea are pretty secure from a finishing 12th, 13th, 14th. <laughs> not not much higher than that, though, that's for sure, given the type of competition that we're facing against with Arsenal, Newcastle, City still to play through the remainder of the season. Speaking of one of those teams, another question, Nick, is will Chelsea help City begin their coronation as we talk about the monarchy in Britain getting ready for a celebration of their own. Will Chelsea play Kingmakers and maybe nick a point off of Arsenal? Can we do it? I mean, are Chelsea hypothetically capable of getting a draw against Arsenal? Sure. I mean, we only lost one nil to them back in November. They dominated us, which was the beginning of the darkest timeline. But I mean, hypothetically, yes. Not on current form, though. I mean, it would not shock me if we lost 4-0. Like, that is... That's probably a more more realistic outcome. Uh, look at the table now. City, today with their win, uh, go up to 76 with a game in hand over Arsenal. So, the top of the, top of the league and have a game in hand. So, they could be up four points uh, by the time they, they get level with Arsenal. Um at the end of the year, assuming everyone kind of wins out. Uh, so so I feel pretty decent about where City are. But, yeah, it would be great to get a draw. I just don't, don't, I don't know how realistic that is, given how bad the team has been over the last, basically since we left London in March. Yeah, th- again, that was the source of all the problems, clearly. Us leaving and uh, not going back. Arsenal do play Newcastle after us and then Brighton as their next two set of games afterwards. Probably the more likely scenario of them dropping points and finalizing the title to City. Which, it'd be great if City had nothing to play for in the match where we are playing them (laughs) near the end of the season. (laughs) That would be fantastic so we don't get absolutely destroyed. Another point as we talk about a more positive part of Chelsea... The Chelsea women are playing in the midweek. They're going up against Liverpool. They currently have three games in hand compared to Manchester United, who's currently at top of the league at 47 points, and City at 46 points. They're playing a mid-table Liverpool side. Liverpool currently 7th out of 12th. This feels like, with the Women's Champions League done and dusted and a valiant effort by the women's team to show marked progress from you know year over year improvement to go to Camp Nou to only go down the way that they did like that like that that was a, a impressive performance with the way that that all went together but now it's a focus on getting the league done bouncing bouncing back and kind of locking it up because it's within their destiny to do so they win it's theirs yeah, it's a very similar scenario to the last couple of years in the FAWSL. For those who haven't paid attention, it's a it's been a, a much more competitive league 
uh, over the last couple of years than maybe it was previously. And that's because of the influx of money and talent and all sorts of stuff into the game. And uh, Chelsea women, yeah, like Dan said, put up one hell of a fight against Barcelona, who are, I think are by far the best women's team in the world. Um, they are they are just unbelievable to watch. And Chelsea gave them a run for their money, man. I mean, there were you know, a couple of chances go in and you have a different storyline. And, um, you know, it's just it's a shame that that didn't happen. But, you know, at the same token, I think the uh, the women do have a, a pretty decent run in here. Like I was looking at their their schedule, obviously, Liverpool, who they lost to. Uh, in the first match of the season uh, on two penalties <clears throat> up in Liverpool. So they got them at home. Then uh, Everton, you know, again, usually take care of business against Everton. Then Leicester City. Then United in the in the FA Women or the Women's FA Cup final. Uh, then West Ham. Then Arsenal on the twenty first, and then uh, you finish the season with Reading at home. And Dan, we've been uh, to both an FA Cup win uh, for the Chelsea women and a league clinching uh, home match uh, last May. It was just incredible to be there. It would be really, really, really sweet if Chelsea were able to do it against Arsenal. Um, that would be amazing at home on the twenty first. Uh, just, just would be outstanding. So, you know, if, if, if they're able to do that, that would be, uh, one hell of a storybook. Uh, and, you know, I think they are going to be extremely motivated. Emma Hayes was pretty gutted after this Barcelona, uh, defeat. And I think they're going to come out and absolutely start torching people. Yeah. Apologies. I did say that it was a uh, 47 points for man United, 44 points for man city, man city playing Manchester United in the same weekend on the 21st when the Chelsea women play Arsenal. And that could be the two matches happening in a similar time vicinity that end up deciding who is going to be walking away at the end of the season with the title. But yes, another domestic double would be phenomenal for Emma and team, even though the real desire this season was to try to make it to the Champions League final. Though if you're going through Lyon and Barcelona, the draw did us no favors to getting to the end of this. But again, you have to play the best. Yeah, you have to play the best and you're going to face those two teams, I would imagine, at some point. Yeah, you know, there's not a lot of ducking you can do. Can, can I also just say, if, if you have a chance to go watch on the Fist Stand app, uh, Aaron Cuthbert's interview after the Barcelona game, that is the future captain of Chelsea Football, Football Club. She is unfreaking believable in those moments. Took it right on the chin, ready to get back and rolling for the next match. I mean, Aaron Cuthbert is unfreaking believable and uh, did her best as as a one woman shield. Uh, in front of the back line to help make Chelsea a little bit more tacky in the second leg. Got the, you know, helped to intercept the ball to get the goal. Uh, Aaron Cuthbert, amazing work. And Nick, last thing is who would have thought you'd be saying this the beginning, at the end of April, beginning of May. Bournemouth this weekend, 12th versus 13th in the Premier League. A battle for mid-table superiority. Uh, I mean... It was it was said earlier today, and I, and I think it's a fair enough point. There are a lot of uh, candidates for Coach of the Year in the Premier League. I think Arteta has to be up there. 
I think you would throw Eddie Howe in consideration for coach of the year. I don't think when you sign a 50-goal striker, Pep really gets consideration, although I'm sure he'll get a few votes. But Deserby would be up there. And then the last one is Gary O'Neill. Uh, Gary O'Neill has taken Bournemouth from getting shellacked at Liverpool. And, uh, you know, that was like the 9-0 game uh, at Liverpool. I remember watching that in an Irish pub um, when I was in Dublin to 12th place or 13th place in the league. We were 12th. Uh, yeah, they still have a negative 28 goal diff <laughs> uh, because they got pummeled so many times, but they're they're basically safe. You know, like it's it's unfathomable from where they were. I mean, they were they were bottom of the table for a little bit. Them in Leicester, so they have a tiny stadium, they have a tiny budget, um, and and they've just kind of gutted it out. So it's a massive, massive bit of cred. Um, and and I think if if they end up in the you know eleventh or twelfth sort of range, whatever, psh, amazing, amazing, amazing. So. Yeah, credit to them. Now, they can lead goals with the best of them. So if Chelsea decided that they wanted to have a, a shot or two at goal, Dan, perhaps we can score. But they've also like gotten pretty decent at attacking, too. So we're going to have to be on our guard, unfortunately. This is true. Yeah, we would like to, you know, and Bournemouth has been a bogey team. So maybe in a bad season, we're the bogey team to Bournemouth. It's a little bit of a Freaky yeah. Friday situation there. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. All right. We're going to take a quick ad break when we come back. Listener questions talking about things relating to Chelsea, some things that are football adjacent, and then a few slice of life type of questions too that we'll get into. So thanks to these sponsors for supporting the show. And we'll be right back. When you're drafting your fantasy team, do you ever wish that you could handpick the best stars for your business team? Look, if you're building a talented roster, you need Indeed. Stop spending hours on multiple job sites finding the perfect candidate for the position because, look, Indeed has all of the tools you need in one place to hire at warp speed. Sponsor a job, and they're going to match you with the quality candidates whose resumes fit the job description that you post right away. Helps you start hiring fast. And look, Indeed knows that you're growing your business. You have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application. Pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Nick. We've got a couple of questions here. First one from Brandon who joined us, not, 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 not our Brandon, Brandon Wilson, who joined us in London in our last in trip. London. Asking about Mason Mount. Is there contract renewal news coming out? There have been whispers this weekend, Nick. There have been light whispers. Yeah, maybe, you want to talk about them? That maybe there's optimism. Again, this is the way the coded language work. There's optimism in the camps that a deal can get done. I think in general, there's always optimism when you're willing to agree to terms or to flex on terms to get a deal done. So the framing is interesting to me. I think there's always been a desire for both sides to get a deal done. It's just a matter of negotiating when a player isn't in good form, is injured, and the team isn't doing well, probably doesn't make negotiating easy. Plus, when you've also brought in most of your new appointments 
and resetting maybe a little bit on some of those conversations also puts the timeline back a little bit further. But there hasn't really been a lot of, I think, pressure to get the deal done because I think there's a desire to get the deal done by both parties if it is amicable for both. Yeah, I think I think Ornstein's been letting out some some whispers that perhaps this upcoming week you're going to hear something about Mason Mount. Now that doesn't mean it's positive or negative; it just means it could be reaching its natural conclusion. We've heard whispers that Poch, you know, values Mason Mount as a uh, a player for Chelsea Football Club, and and it's not negotiable that he's a part of the team. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't ever bullshit you guys about that stuff. We're not privy to those conversations. And, you know, all that is behind the scenes. We'll figure it out when you guys do. But I think from from Dan and myself, we genuinely hope a deal gets done soon. We genuinely hope that Mason gets healthy after his surgery. Uh, it's been clear that he's not been fit this year either. And so I think hopefully that, you know, a deal getting done, renewed optimism for the new season, a new manager, um, and a fit Mason Mount for next year, who has genuinely been one of our most reliable players over the last four years. Uh, it's that That's where I, I hope this uh, trends to, Dan. And, and, you know, the day that he signs his uh, renewal, knock on wood, will be a day that we do some, uh, some champagne popping. Yeah, it'll be a very positive thing if and when it gets done. As we transition, M. Dempsey asking the question about the summer tour. We mentioned it on prior, the last episode that we did that, yes, we'll be attending the majority of the matches that the Chelsea men's team will be heading to this summer, starting in Raleigh with the match against Wrexham. Then you move to Philadelphia, Atlanta, D.C., and now the announced Chicago match as well, Nick, against Borussia Dortmund. I don't think... I think. Five is going to push maybe a little too far on the real-world work commitments because it's about two weeks that we will be journeying throughout the East Coast of the U.S. and probably as much as we would like to also go to Chicago, go to Borussia Dortmund, see some of our friends in in Chicago, our our Dale Hale and and a few others. It would be really, really great to do that, but I just think it's going to be a little too far on our commuting, but we are excited to go to all the four cities that we'll get to prior to that moment. That is true. Um, the the question is about uh, double headers uh, and ticketing. For example, I have no interest uh, in attending the first of the Atlanta double headers, but I don't want to just show up for the last game and none of the ticket scanners will be open. So check your terms and conditions wherever you're getting your tickets, but typically... For these sorts of events, the there is a ticketing window open before the first game and before the second game. I don't know if open ticketing will be done throughout all the matches or whatever, uh, but that's just something to consider when when you're planning your day out. I, I definitely understand, you know, if if you're not like super psyched about whatever matches, you know, Brighton or Newcastle before the, you know, the the Chelsea match, then you know, figure it out. But I, I think you should be fine getting in before Chelsea starts. There's usually like an hour break in between those matches so they can like repair the field and, you know, get all the pre-match stuff done. So that's typically how it'll go. Yeah. Stay tuned for more. If we get information, we will gladly share it out through all of our channels, but we are excited to see people. Let us know if you're going to be in and around those towns. We'd love to catch up with anybody. And we'll also 
provide information about anything that we'll have going on, live pods, meetups, and the like. But as we transition, uh, Damien had a question, two questions, Nick, and I think we're going to split the the helping or the answering of this, asking for the last three movies we saw recently and then best beer brands, best new liquor you've tried. I think you – I thought you were going to go for movies, but boy, oh, boy, you took a uh, – you took a, a – a U-turn here. You took the beer brands and liquor one. I'm, I'm shocked. I, look, man, it's so it's so unlike me. Um, yeah, you're more of a movie guy, so so that's going to be your your kind of lane. Uh, I'll tell you the beer, uh, and and I'll kind of go in reverse order here. I think if you are looking for a, an amazing stout, kind of heavier beer, maybe a little bit more alcoholic beer. Uh, Founders is incredible, and I believe Founders is out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, and it's a really, really great, um, really, really great brewery. They have a ton of different selection. Their stuff has become a lot more popular. Uh, Deschutes is another one. I love Deschutes. I think it's out of Oregon, if, if, that, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe California. That's correct. Oregon? Bam. Okay. I'm getting my geography right here. Um, the shoots is great. They have a lot of different, uh, styles of beer. They have a lot of IPAs, which are not necessarily my thing, but they have a lot of other good stuff too. And then the final one is one near and dear to my heart, but I promise you, if you ever have it, they're not fucking around. And that is Casey beer co beer spelled with an I E instead of double E's. It's a German beer hall. They do incredible, uh, German beers. They have been certified, uh, as as a producer of German beers to the quality level of, of whatever that ridiculous law is that they have over there. And uh, if you are ever in Kansas City, let me know. I will take you there. It's a great experience. Their Pilsner is the best I've ever had. Uh, so, And their Fest beer is by far the best I've ever had. So, uh, bam. Those three, Dan. Those are all good choices. And you have taken us to KC Beer Co. before we visited you in your adopted hometown and look it's been a great time we've had Mm -hmm. many enjoyable moments and many enjoyable beers if we're gonna go for movies uh, i got three for you i think one that is on hulu one that is still in theater is probably very limited about to head to streaming and one that likely is a little further away from some streaming probably still in theaters also limited so if you want to go watch anything on hulu there's rylane which is a romantic comedy it's a uh, rain allen miller's full-length directorial debut it's uh just got a lot of interesting kind of visual and, and kind of audio beats in the way that these random strangers kind of build up to a relationship dungeons and dragons honor among thieves which like is super corny looking but actually it's a really fun just adventure there's a lot of like physical prop work too like like practical effects that they do so it's not all cgi they kind of got caught with a really like rough spot in terms of like the super mario brothers movie coming out like directly after it and so their box office is terrible i don't think they would ever be necessarily a sequel but i would definitely recommend the movie it probably is at least gonna be streaming probably i'd imagine by the middle of may if not the end of may and then uh, Suzumi, which is a animated film. Uh, I mentioned Your Name in the last movie is one of the kind of the best anime movies I've seen before. Same director, um, different type of story beat, but also very, very enjoyable. So those are three I would recommend. Nick, 
as we transition, Iron Beagle asking the question, again, it's, it's a bifurcated answer. You're going to take one half, I'll take the other. Asking for round of three of the U.S. Open Cup. Cupity cup cup. And then top three Oreo flavors with the caveat, you can't use double stuffs, which feels like it is a little bit of putting, you know, one hand behind the back. It's a tough one. Yeah, that's a little handcuff there. Uh, I'll start with the Open Cup. All right, so... Uh, the Open Cup is the oldest, you know, much like the FA Cup is in England, the old, oldest kind of challenge cup. I think it's 1904, 1905 in the United States. So it's been around a long time. Um, so the, the matchups are, are as such, and I will do predictions on who goes through with each matchup. Charlotte versus Orlando City. Charlotte go through. Inter-Miami versus Charleston Battery. I'm picking an upset, Dan. Charleston Battery go through against Inter Miami. Oh, don't let Mike Ryan Reese hear you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, honestly, Miami should go through, but I'm, I like Charleston Battery as a name. That's a great name for a team. New England versus Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Uh, Pittsburgh Riverhounds go through. Let's let's do it. Uh, New York Red Bulls versus DC United. I'm going with New York Red Bulls. Uh, Chicago versus St. Louis. St. Louis on a tear. They're going to go through as much as I am not a huge fan of their city. Uh, Minnesota and Philadelphia. Philadelphia go through very easily. Sacramento Republic FC versus Colorado Rapids. Sacramento Republic FC go through. Monterey Bay FC versus LAFC. LAFC uh, trounced them, sorry. Loudoun United FC versus Columbus. You know what? Columbus go through. Sorry, Loudoun United. Uh, Cincinnati versus New York City FC. Going with NYCFC on that one. Birmingham Legion FC versus Memphis 901 FC. Birmingham Legion go through. Nashville versus Dallas. Nashville go through. Dynamo versus Sporting Kansas City. Dynamo absolutely will go through. Kansas City is the worst team in the league. It's awful to watch. Oh, even worse than Chelsea, which is saying something. Uh, Austin versus New Mexico United. Austin go through. Portland versus Real Salt Lake. Portland go through. LA Galaxy versus Seattle Sounders. Sounders go through. Boom. There you How do you like that? Great, Boom. great, great way to end it, Nick. Really, really well done. I think most of the other ones I tuned out, but that last one, yeah, that okay. one meant something to me. Um, yep. Oreos. Look, I think. No double stuffs make it it real difficult. Well, I mean, look, there's a lot of teams in there that are nothing but a bit of cream filling that are going to get pummeled by the other opposition. So if anything, this is a perfect way to sandwich this conversation. I think the fudge-covered Oreos are definitely a top three if you are removing double stuff. Peanut butter Oreos, very, very good. And then the chocolate hazelnut flavor. I know also the the dye doesn't make it any different, but I will say I, enjoy, I growing up I did enjoy the Halloween and Christmas Oreos when all it was was just <laughs> a different color. <laughs> um, you know, like confetti cake. That that was the one that I thought was going to be picked. Uh, no, I'm not really a, a a birthday cake standard like funfetti type of flavor person. But go you. you know, enjoy what you like. Uh, again, hard pivots through some of these questions. Peter asking, what about discussing the presence of owners in the dressing room at any time other than when we've won something or after the last game of the season? And Peter asking this, I would imagine, in context to the multiple times in the last month, I would say multiple as, as in two, where we have seen the owners walking to the locker room 
at the end of a match at Stamford Bridge and the reports that have come out subsequently about potentially players being called out or maybe trying to motivate or rally. There's been a lot of ends of the spectrum with this conversation, Nick, and I feel like we haven't talked about it because it's all a lot of conjecture and it's really hard to understand what is truth in this moment. And other than to say, like, it reportedly happened, they walked in that direction, seemingly they talked to the players, seemingly they said things, but what they actually said is very open to some interpretation. Yeah, I mean, much like the Mason Mount thing, we don't know what was said in there. Uh, our journalist friends have, have sent out some, you know, sorts of, like, generic reporting on that. Uh, we don't know the, the full extent to it, so we're not going to pretend that we do. Um, obviously, if it's their team, uh, so they can do whatever the hell they want to do. I, I don't think it's a phenomenal look, personally, from the outside. I think there are different ways to handle that. I think you can have closed-door meetings during training the week after or whatever, and maybe it's a little less raw that way, but it's also just been a terrible underperformance of a season. I would understand that they, they would be frustrated just like we're frustrated too. So that's just something to, to consider. I, I genuinely, you know, I, I don't think if Chelsea were playing anywhere near their potential that that would happen. And, uh, you know, again, in the off chance that we win something next year, like hopefully it's a celebration sort of behavior, not a we're terrible sort of behavior. So uh, if, if it were me, I don't know if I would do that. But again, it's their team. They bought it for a lot of money and you know, that's that's what they're going to do. Blue London at 1905. I get that reference. Asking the question, best food city you've been to? And we, right. we did a top three because I think saying one is really, really tough here. Yeah. And, and look, I, I always put an asterisk on a question like this because every time I travel, I discover new stuff that I love. And I genuinely just love traveling in a city and eating. It's fair and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I'm just going U.S., okay, because I think as a food city, like, London is incredible. The food we had in Portugal was incredible. But just U.S. food cities, for those who are maybe finding it a little bit more accessible, uh, New York is an incredible food city. If you want anything there besides, like, barbecue, uh, like, you can get it. And it's, you know, it's pizza, it's Italian, it's uh, it's Caribbean food, it's anything. It's amazing. Sushi, bunch of seafood, everything. San Fran, very, very close second for me. I absolutely love San Francisco. Uh, I spent a summer out there and got to try all of the uh, delicacies, a lot of really great sushi, a lot of phenomenal uh, bread, especially a tartine. Uh, some of the best carne asada burritos I've ever had in my life. Uh, El Farolito, shout out to you. Uh, and no, that, uh, that was a good yeah. night. <laughs> yeah. Oh, baby. It was amazing. Our, our, our uh, boy Zane then, remembers that one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and look, they're just, it's an awesome vibe. And then the third one might surprise people, but it is absolutely New Orleans, Louisiana. I love everything about New Orleans. I love the fact that it's a little keyed down. I love that it's a little bit. You know, rough and tumble in places, but the food down there is phenomenal, and it's it's very unique in U.S. food cities. So if you're if you're into 
uh, a whole different vibe. If you're into a little kick in your food, New Orleans is a place for you. Uh, get a get a muffaletta from Second Street Grocer and just have yourself a day. Yeah, so I threw in one international city because it felt like if we had both selected some of the same three cities in the U.S., I think on a day you might say that Los Angeles from a food city with the amount of different you have types of food you have access to oh, yeah. can be can be pretty pretty spectacular and special as well. I think New York City and New Orleans definitely are within the top two or three. They're at least on the Rushmore, right? They're on the they're they're one of the four iconic elements that you could hold up and say like these are examples of uh, you know the the amalgamation of like different ethnicities cuisines on display in in our country. I would say the the curveball one, the international one, is Florence. I thought Florence was a incredible city to go eat in terms of food, and yeah, tons of recommendations, uh, and also uh, tons of gelato recommendations as well uh, for anyone. Uh, more than welcome to hit me up, and I will gladly provide them. But that was one of my favorite cities to uh, walk uh, and and eat my way through as well when I uh, when I went to Italy last. Um, Nick, we, we got a combination one here from Canyon and Sergeant Soy Sauce. Canyon hit with the top three MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Sergeant Soy Sauce heading back with the three worst, too. So they want to know the best and the worst. I think we have some similarity here. So I'll let you start with the one, you know, maybe the best. We want to go with best first, and we'll talk about the worst second. Yeah, the best. Um... For me, Thor Ragnarok was my favorite MCU movie. I absolutely loved it. Um, I thought it was fantastic. And uh, I think Thor's character is incredibly complex and interesting to, to dive into. Uh, I loved uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. And uh, liked this kind of spy thriller nature of it all. Uh, and then the last one is uh, Avengers Infinity War. Uh, I thought the... The movie itself was actually better than Endgame, uh, although Endgame had the better like scene in it. I think that Infinity War was absolutely fantastic, and it it left me like speechless when I left the theater. So those those three are, I think, my favorite. Although there are plenty of amazing movies uh, from the MCU. I like that on the best list. We actually didn't overlap, which is nice. Like I think we give people a little bit of a different slice here. So I think Black Panther, the is a absolute consideration mm-hmm. on the the top three i also think spider-man no way home is within the conversation oh, too again i think it's it is technically one even though it's not really like it is co-produced with sony sony has the actual theatrical rights and distribution rights but like i'm it's a marvel character so i'm gonna like lump it into the larger conversation and then i was talking actually with my wife about this like i don't think there will be another movie experience, like in cinema experience, the way that Avengers Endgame happened because it was pre-COVID. It was 20 years of buildup effectively from, not not, 20, but like 15 years of buildup from starting that journey with Iron Man to hitting the Endgame and, you know, the the, the Endgame endpoint and like the amount of, emotion the energy of the crowd the opening day type of activity around it the way the crowd responded to certain moments like i think there's you know if for any reason 
if it's not maybe the best movie, it produced the best experience for going to any of those movies that will be very, very hard to replicate in the future. Uh, so it's like a social item. Like I would say that one just I, – I will remember more about going to see that movie and reacting to some of those moments with other people than maybe any of those other movies in terms of like plot beats or narratives other than like anything – you know, granular uh, in terms of memory. From worst, so uh, a recent entry, Ant-Man Quantumania, quite bad, quite, quite terrible. I haven't seen it. Yeah, you could you could save yourself a little bit of time. And then uh, we did have one overlap, uh, Thor Dark World, which uh, definitely... <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Oh, my God, it was awful. Uh, and then again, uh, I think this one is uh, unfortunate for Ed Norton because I, I really enjoy him as an actor in a lot of things. Uh, I did not enjoy him as the Incredible Hulk from 2008. Absolutely not. Um, very bad uh, as well. And uh, Mark Ruffalo uh, did a good job kind of replacing him in that sort of ecosystem. Yes. Uh, Dark World, of course, was on my list. Incredibly uh, bad. Um, Thor Love and Thunder, uh, from more, a more recent one, incredibly bad. I, I was shocked at how bad that was. Um, it didn't feel like they took it seriously at all, uh, which is a shame because, I mean, you had all these amazing actors together in these in this movie that should have been incredible. You have Christian Bale as Gore and... Russell Crowe's in there. It's just, how did they fuck this up? I have no idea. And then uh, one that I still don't understand the purpose of to this day is Iron Man 3. It it just felt like such a throwaway movie. It didn't make any sense. It did not hold any sort of weight in the, in the, the bigger plot lines of the MCU. It just felt like, hey, we have to make a third Iron Man to make a third Iron Man. It was very dumb and bad. Um, so uh, it, those it are the served three. to be the Marvel Cinematic Universe's Christmas movie because it it does count as a Christmas movie in some circles. Oh my god, it's very bad. I, it, so those three, I would I would like to never see again for sure. All right, the guys did the thing where they only threw one ad break on here. So it's editor Jake to say thank you so much to our sponsors. They keep the show going, and we'll be right back. Bet you didn't see this coming. Hope you're ready to hear editor Jake's voice for a while in the ads. <laughs> this time we're coming with Shady Rays. Kick off the new year with new gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and more. Shady Rays is a world-class sunglasses company, independently built, that'll have you thinking you're wearing some of the world's top brands that you already know with durable frames and extremely clear optics. Not only clear optics, but clear ethics as well, having donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. Something that we have done at London's Blue Podcast. So, and if you're worried you won't like your pair, they will exchange it, they'll give you a new pair, or you can return them for free within 30 days. And if you're worried you might break them, thanks to lost and broken replacements, you can get a replacement pair, no questions asked, anytime. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out the best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code LONDONISBLUE, all one word, all caps, for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's right. London is blue, all caps, spelled just like the podcast. You know, the podcast you're listening to right now. You can see it in the title. 
all caps, one word, 50% off, two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try it out for yourself. The shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. Two more questions before we end this episode, Iron Beagle, with a double up asking how many Wrexham players do Chelsea try to purchase after they beat our asses in Carolina? Assuming that Wrexham does beat us <laughs> and our heads get turned by a player. Um, I'm, I'm saying none, please none. Like, I, I really don't. Uh, when we no. were told by uh, someone we know in London that one of their friends uh, was playing against Wrexham <laughs> um, recently... Like that, that's how far down, like we're not friends with the footballers. We're friends with people who are like adjacent, like three, three levels to footballers like that. It's not really like yeah. someone who is super professional. It was like Sunday beer league type of friend, uh, friend of friend. I just, yeah, no, n- none, none of them. Great story. Awesome documentary. Can't wait for the game. I think it's going to be an electric atmosphere, but boy, oh boy. No, no, no. Yeah, I I think just if I could loan in Super Paul Mullen for the end of the season, a striker knows how to score goals. I think he has 50 goals this year. Um, That would be all right. Uh, But who I really want to sign is Ryan Reynolds' marketing firm, Maximum Effort. They do an incredible job. They help produce the show. They do all the the really good promotional stuff. That that would be something for Chelsea to look into because those guys are killer. And as we rounded out, Matthew asking a question, I think many Chelsea supporters might be asking, look, Chelsea aside, this season, what team do you turn to to watch a fun brand of soccer? Because you would not be defining this type of soccer as thrilling since 1905, Nicholas. No, no, it sure hasn't, Dan. Uh, Minus five goal differential, can't score goals. So I'm going to talk about some teams that are doing it right. Uh, I think we both have Napoli on our list. Um, they are basically one match away from clinching Serie A for the first time in 30 years. Uh, gave up a late equalizer today. Um, City was ready to explode, and, and it didn't. Uh, th- another great story is Stade de Reim in, in France. This is the uh, guy who is like the uh, non-UEFA certified coach, uh, Will something, forget his last name. Uh, but he is doing an incredible job with them. They've moved up the table like eight or nine places since he took over, beat PSG. Right? Like, Cat is just doing an incredible job, speaks fluent French and English. Yeah, Will Still. Will Still, that's right, yeah. Wow, huge shouts to him. And they're fun. They're a lot of fun. Uh, I, I am a sucker for Jose Mourinho's Roma team. I absolutely love watching them play. They're They're goofy as hell to watch. I don't know how they have done what they've done, but they have some fun players on the team. Of course, always watch for Tammy Abraham and then a shithouse team, because I got to have one. If I'm going to have the shithouse moment of the match is my, my standard thing. Sporting Lisbon are a shithouse team, man. They are a lot of fun. Ruben Amarin, obviously, you know, Chelsea have kind of taken a cursory glance at him, maybe one for the future. Uh, he is, uh, doing a great job and their match that they had against Arsenal and the, uh, in the Europa League, uh, where they went uh, to Arsenal and absolutely shit housed them out of a game, was unbelievable. So good. So those are the teams, Dan, that I'm looking at. Some are beautiful footballing teams. Some are shit house teams, and both is all right with me. Yeah, I think there's a lot of fun Italian soccer at the moment. I actually think their whole season, Serie A's whole season, might be 
better in terms of narrative than the Premier League season this year. When you look at the way that the the table stands, I mean, obviously Napoli have been running away with it, but Lazio, 61 points, Juventus uh, with their points ban revoked or paused at the moment. We thought they were going to be in like the, the teens and now they're back up technically into third place and 60 points. You have Inter at 57, AC Milan at 57, Roma at 57. So the qualification for Champions League, Europa League, Conference League, huge up for grabs at the moment. You could see Jose Mourinho bring that Roma side to, to Europe next season which would be incredible uh like again they're, they're all fun to watch they've all got some really good combinations of players i think it's been uh, a really bit, a bit of a joy i think the uh you know the nwsl started recently and so there's a lot of fun teams and narratives there that you can get into um yeah, look, you, you saw uh, the oil rain and uh, racing Louisville have a little two-two with a red card, uh, kind of you know yesterday. Like this is a lot of fun matchups. I mean, because it is a small league, they they play each other kind of frequently. Twelve teams, similar to the FAWSL. Uh, again, I mean, this this also is assuming like we watch a Chelsea women's team. That probably the first recommendation if you want something Chelsea adjacent. Uh, the academy games are just hard to to watch. Um, and then you know, I, I, it's hard to you know root for any Premier other Premier League team to do well. So uh, really, it's been more of a, you know, looking for other leagues to try to find someone or find a team that you care about watching. Definitely. Yeah. And, and look, uh, when you watch other teams score goals effortlessly, it just makes you... It's amazing. <laughs> man, it's a tough beat for us, you know? Makes you think about things in a different context. Nick, that's going to do it, though. That's going to wrap us up for this episode. Went a little longer than we thought we did, but, you know, the questions were great. And we have you to thank for that. The lovely, wonderful listeners who, you know, just keep us going. Keep joining us here for the podcast. You know, we were over a 1,000 episodes now. We are pushing our way to over 200 episodes for the season. You know, we view our seasons as starting the beginning of July and going to the 30th of June. So we've got about another two full months of podcasting before our season ends. And yeah, Nick, any last thoughts, closing messages, warm wishes, questions, opinions? Yeah, I, I, I think if you are, if you're listening to this podcast, and you're like, man, I know this guy's produced 37 podcasts a week, but I have an idea for a show that I'd like to see them do. Send us your ideas, you know, contact at London's Blue Podcast for, for our email. You guys can always DM us, tweet at us, do, do any of that sort of stuff. But, you know, we're going to be doing a lot of fun stuff this summer. We have Leigh Tinkerman coming back at some point. We're going to have Famous CFC coming back. We have, of course, that Blue Royalty going right now. We have the Academy Update stuff. If you have any, you know, twists, thoughts, whatever on, on episodes that we can do, let us know. Absolutely. We definitely want to make sure that the show is one that you inform and that you enjoy listening to in terms of the quality of the content. But that's going to do it for this episode. We hope that you're staying safe and staying well. And until next time, Chelsea fans, you what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.